From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. With a compelling perspective on global politics, this is The Patrick Henningsen Show on TNT Radio. All right, welcome back, folks. Welcome back. We're in hour number two of this live broadcast. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. Thank you for rejoining us, of course, here at TNT Today's News Talk. we got a lot to cover during this hour. Very briefly, in a few minutes, actually, we'll hopefully be connecting with our intrepid correspondent, uh, Basil Valentine, he of the globetrotting fame. He's going to be joining us uh, for some updates on the international news scene. And also in the second part of this segment, uh, in this hour, we're going to be joined by Matthew Russell Lee from Inner City Press uh, from the Hallows of the Southern District of New York Federal Court. We're going to get the latest on the Bob Menendez tri- trial. That's looking interesting as well as what's going on with Hunter Biden. And a little bit of Jeff Epstein will probably creep in there as it normally does. Uh, but uh, that's that's looking like a real distraction right now at this point. I know it was like a very shiny object that everybody had to jump on uh, this past week, uh, but really, was it consequential? Well, we said it when it broke. We said when it dropped, we said there's nothing new in here. A little bit more context. Yeah, it's raised the issue a little bit, but in the end, what was the result of it? Not very much. Did anything change? No. Has anybody else been strung up, uh, held to account? No, actually not. Uh, so then what was it? Cannon fodder, as they call it in media, cannon fodder. So let's get to some stuff that actually matters. Uh, the United States has confirmed. It's uh, finally been said. It's been admitted this week. It became woefully apparent that military aid for Ukraine has now ground to a halt. According to the White House, they admitted this week that the uh, squabbling in Congress between bombs for Bibi and Zelensky's next life support package isn't going too well. It's tr- deciding how to divvy up the money uh, between these two proxy wars. So the Biden administration confirmed that the last batch of aid to Kiev has, in fact, been dispatched. And the new one, well, there isn't going to be no new one. Uh, they're going to have to get some higher level of approval for this. And here's the quote from uh, John Kirby, who is uh, a spikes, uh, spokesperson for the regime uh, in Washington. He said, uh, yes, 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 says Kirby, we have issued the last drawdown package that we had funding to support. And that's why it's critical that Congress uh, move on that national security supplementary requests and we get more funding, says John Kirby. Yeah, more money, more money for, for BB, more money for the genocide. Let's fund the genocide and more money for a losing proxy war uh, in Ukraine that might ver- invariably lead to World War III. How about that for priorities? It's all going swimmingly well. So that is, as we said at 21st Century Wire, that is the last drop. That is the last drop. So the White House is indeed admitting that the squabbling is over this and will they get the money they're looking for i'm not sure if they will uh they might end up getting something it'll probably be a bridge aid package there'll probably be a few hidden tranches of money maybe they can staple that to some other legislation like they love to do in washington just kind of pin it to something else uh and and have the money laundered that way money laundering that's basically what it is uh but on a very high level nato's protection racket is having problems uh, on the money side, but Ukraine's also having problems. Listen to this, just to put you in the picture of how bad things can get. C- 
corruption suspected in surge of draft ineligibility in Ukraine. Zelensky announced a mass mobilization of 500, that we need 500,000 warm bodies, says Zelensky. 500,000 warm Ukrainian bodies to throw out uh, into the trenches uh, on the front line. The counteroffensive that was supposed to begin, when was that? The fall of 2022? Yeah, and then it got delayed to the winter and then it got pushed back to the spring and then they kicked the can down to the road to the summer of 2023 and they said actually we're going to pause on this whole counteroffensive thing uh we're going to restart it in the spring of 2024 and so lo and behold place your bets folks when the spring of 2024 comes around there'll be no talk of a counteroffensive there's still people kind of opining that uh we're just a few more weapons deliveries away from turning the tide on this thing we can do this we can beat those russians russia we we brought the kremlin to their knees the russians are uh, having to uh you know rub on uh tiger bomb uh, to stay warm in the winter that's how bad things are in russia i don't think so i don't think so my experience is in the winter in russia this year uh, that you had to open the window because it was so damn hot inside because everyone's got the heating cranked up they don't they're not short of any gas in russia let's just put it that way and it's not expensive gas uh in russia so a, a large number of prospective conscripts uh with zelensky's press gangs are now dodging military service on medical grounds and other grounds uh new data shows it's quite amazing they're actually able to gather data uh, in Ukraine with the state of the government and the institutions there. But anyway, uh, Ukrainian anti-corruption officials, there's quite a few anti-corruption agencies there run by the United States, have reported uh, an increase in the number of potential recruits deemed to be ineligible for military service by conscription offices since the outbreak of the conflict in 2022. No kidding. And the problem apparently is getting even worse with this latest wave of mobilizations. Now, they're even pursuing people, believe it or not, who have fled to Germany. We're talking about young men of military age, but not just young men. No, 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 the hunger, the hunger for bodies to throw into the trenches is not restricted to that of males. Uh, the state, the Zelensky regime wants women to serve as well. Uh, latest report, uh, the Zelensky regime, I can use the pejorative term regime because everybody does, uh, when it's somebody who has uh, drawn the uh, the evil eye of public condemnation, well, let's just call it a regime. 50,000 female military uniforms have been ordered uh, by the regime uh, in Kiev. What's that for? What's that for? Is, are those for women, or are they expecting a lot of trans soldiers? Uh, it's not clear at this point. I think it's for women. So you know the end is nigh uh, when you have to dip into your female population for your mass mobilization and then after that what's left the lower the age of conscription to i don't know 15 what did hitler do he brought it all the way down to i think 13 or something like that you see those harrowing scenes from the last days before the fall of berlin we see these children wearing men's uniforms smoking cigarettes uh yeah that's that's what you're driven to uh when you're doubling down tripling down quadrupling down on a bad bet which they are in kiev and the united states is uh, all too happy to push this situation to its absolute uh extreme draft officials in ukraine have been involved in some high profile corruption scandals including embezzlement uh in getting bribes to not serve that's another thing 
maybe hundreds of millions have been collected in terms of bribes for people not wanting to serve. This is a scandal in Ukraine. But the data is showing uh, the percentage of draftees rejected by draft commissions has surged from 3% in 2021 to 8% in 2022. And uh, 7% in the first nine months of uh, 2023. So the partially eligible category grew from 20% to 27% last year. So there's all sorts of reasons for this and people look seeking deferments. And wouldn't you, wouldn't you, why would you want to fight? Why would you want to suit up for a losing war? A war that you know you'll never win. A war where you know that your average life expectancy uh, when you're on the front lines in those trenches is something by between, I don't know, uh, 48, 72 hours or something like that. You might be, that might be the end of your tour after three days and you won't be going home, uh, in one piece. And is that a good way? Is that a good way to go? I don't think so. A lot of Ukrainians are believing that this is not a cause worth dying for, not even a cause worth being wounded for, uh, that actually the, the real cause would have been to negotiate a peace settlement back in March, 2022, uh, or even before that, sometime between the eight years they had to realize the mixed peace accords, which they didn't do at the behest of the United States and Britain. No, no, no. Let's sandbag it. Let's uh, buy a time so we can arm the Ukrainian armed forces to NATO standard in anticipation for what? Well, we knew. They knew. This was on the cards for a very, very long time. No surprise, in fact. So this is just one sort of canary in the coal mine when you're having problems getting the bodies to fight the war, then the next stage is you got to bring in the foreign troops. That's when you got to be worried in the West. If this is on the cards is some sort of major mobilization moving in, let's say a Baltic troops, Polish troops, obviously it's going to be a few British in there for the experience and maybe not even Americans, uh, but mostly Eastern European troops going in under the NATO aegis to protect Kiev. You think it's out of the realms of possibility? I don't think so. I think that play is definitely on the table. We'll see. We'll see. A lot going to happen in the next six months uh, in Ukraine. I think we'll determine the overall trajectory of this situation really in the next couple of months. So watch closely, folks. Watch this space. Let's take a break with TNT, today's news talk. When we come back, we'll connect with our intrepid correspondent, Basil Valentine. On the other side, Patrick Henningsen. Stay right there. TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. The double standard is out there. It's so obvious. It's so frustrating. Eric Holder gets held in contempt of Congress for defying a congressional subpoena. Nothing happens. Obama's DOJ didn't pursue it. Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro defy a congressional subpoena. Joe Biden's DOJ criminally prosecutes them. Criminally prosecutes them for defying a congressional subpoena. And now we've got congressional subpoenas of Hunter Biden and James Biden, the resident's brother. And guess what? Nothing's going to be done by Merrick Garland, Barack Obama, Joe Biden's DOJ. That's right. I said Barack Obama. Obama's the shadow president. But he's not the one pulling the strings. He wasn't pulling the strings in his own administration. You know, Valerie Jarrett was his minder. Where is the Iranian-born Valerie Jarrett these days? Haven't seen or heard much of her. It's because the Democrats are smart. Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT Radio. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website. 
thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. thelightpaper.co.uk CO2 sustains all life on Earth, but now it's in long-term decline. We face the return of an ice age. We mandate that the truth be told. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to hour number two of this live broadcast. I'm Patrick Kenningson, your host. This is TNT. Today's News Talk. Hello to everybody in the TNT chat community. Great to see you guys there. You'll be happy to know we're going to welcome onto the program right now our intrepid uh, correspondent lurking somewhere off the coast of Mauritania uh, or a lower Morocco, Basil Valentine's joining us on the live link right now. Basil, our man in Africa, sort of, nearly. How are you? Very well, thank you, Patrick. Good to be with you. And hello to our listeners all around the world. Yes, I'm in the Canary Islands. Uh, it's January. This is the nearest place to the UK where you can get summer holiday weather in January. And it's freezing in Britain at the moment. I picked a good two weeks to come away. If you Actually, if you go to the coast of Africa from the Canary Islands, you hit Western Sahara, the disputed territory between Morocco and Mauritania there. Um, and uh, the Canaries, well, they are a bit of an extension of the Sahara Desert, uh, although they're volcanic and uh, therefore a bit more verdant than they would be uh, if they were simply lumps of rock. So the, we get the Gulf Stream and the sea breeze and very pleasant they are too at this time of year. So no, in particular, no, no but Turek. I digress. Pardon? Yeah, go go ahead. No Turek fighters. No Turek fighters. You no, haven't spotted any. No, no, no. But but Turegs. some turning up in boats. It's a very popular destination for African migrants to arrive by boat because it's Europe. I thought they were Spain. just there on holiday. Uh that's a okay. No, no. I mean there is an African influence, but then again, we're nearer to Africa than we are to Europe, so that's perfectly understandable. But more importantly, what's going on in the Hague, Patrick? Mm -hmm. um, so, first of all, uh, important to say that BBC and Sky have been live streaming today's coverage from The Hague of Israel's defence, uh, extensive coverage throughout the day. They did not cover South Africa's presentation yesterday at all. Not at all. Not until no late coverage. night programmes did it get a mention. So, total imbalance there, which is something people on Twitter have been highlighting is that they did not want CNN, none of them. They didn't want the world to hear South Africa's case against genocide. Absolutely abysmal. Uh, and then uh, the Israelis have come out with the usual sort of selection of tropes. Amusingly, there was a, a guy on TikTok with a Hamas counter he had a whiteboard and a pen, and he was marking off the number of times the Israeli lawyers said the word Hamas, live streamed <laughs> on TikTok. And uh, it's funny, but it's also extremely relevant because deflection is one of the main tactics that the Israelis are using. What about Hamas, Hamas, Hamas? In fact, they're accusing the South Africans of effectively being the legal arm of Hamas, which is artifice in the extreme. Um, but uh, it's not working. I think the world can see that uh, Israel is guilty as charged. But Craig Murray, who's been in the court yesterday and today, uh, said that the people who really look like they don't want to be there are the judges. 
who look extremely uncomfortable with the whole experience because they really do have the weight of the world on their shoulders and you know upon this verdict an enormous amount rests so um they're you know they're very uncomfortable malcolm shaw one of the lead lawyers for the israelis uh mislaid one of his papers causing a rather farcical moment where he sort of completely lost his place but the key point is that all the references to hamas are totally irrelevant hamas is not on trial uh if you want to bring a case against hamas do so uh, you know um recognize the palestinian state and you can take the palestinians to the icj israel you know recognize gaza as an independent state and then you can take the governing authority to the icj but hamas isn't in the dock israel's in the dock so this endless deflection will we'll remain to see whether it works or not they've also claimed that uh the south african lawyers misinterpreted Netanyahu's statement regarding Amalek that was uh, amongst their other arguments and that the statements of genocidal intent by Israeli politicians and military officials uh, should be disregarded because they were not made within the official structure of the war cabinet okay so because it wasn't you know minuted from the war cabinet meeting or coming out directly as a policy statement it should therefore be disregarded and secondly that while there may have been some statements of genocidal intent they do make that admission uh they should be sort of gathered up with all the other statements made by israeli politicians and statecraft figures over the last several months and if you look at the totality of everything they've said then there is no genocidal intent. So, I mean, I think the uh, other key point, of course, is you have to look at what's actually happened on the ground. I mean, I know that, uh, that you know, this whole business of what the politicians have or haven't said is absolutely crucial. But the simple fact is 4% and rising of the entire population of Gaza have been killed or injured. That is an absolutely extraordinary figure it would mean in the UK for example that you know two or three million people had been the victims of a, a military assault which you know do you think the British people would stand for that so well that that belies the whole uh need for e even just to cut to the to the clear here Need for explicit statements of genocidal intent from the Israeli war cabinet. I mean, when when they went to bomb uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, um, the the U.S. didn't issue a formal statement of uh, genocidal intent, but it's kind of implicit in the act, isn't it? When you unleash exactly a modern a modern military on a densely populated urban area without any uh, discrimination as to what tar 50,000 homes leveled or whatever it was in the first, uh, three weeks. I mean, there's not, you don't even need statements of genocidal intent, even though South Africa had them in reams, didn't they? Uh, including from the yes. prime minister and the president uh, of Israel. So, yes. I mean, I think it's worth drawing a sort of comparison with, um, an equivalent criminal case in civil society. What the Israelis are effectively saying is, he punched. I killed yeah. his whole family. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Do you know what I mean? I'm allowed to kill his whole family because he punched me. And every time I said, yes, but, you know, you've murdered his brother, his sister, his mother, his grandmother, his baby and everyone else. And all they can say in reply the whole time is, but he punched me. Yeah, and the punch was a Holocaust. The punch was... Uh, well, don't, you know, don't, don't even bring that up, Patrick. That's totally, again, I, I that's don't, totally, yeah. don't totally irrelevant. They, the punch was October but, the 7th. The punch but they was, used you know, it, they're saying the punch was but, Go on. but the Israeli delegation goes out of their way time and time again to reiterate that October the 7th was their modern day uh, a contemporary equivalent to the Holocaust. So it's just that's just part of the rhetoric uh, that's, yeah, that's kind absolutely. of recycled. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, look, uh, we'll move on uh, to uh, that. By the way, the 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 reactions from the Israeli presentation at the International Courts of Justice this morning, Basil. I don't know if you had a chance to catch any of that. Is kind of uneventful. I listened to it for about an hour and a half, and uh, just is kind of what I expected. But even even less, I was expecting a little more vociferous. Uh, rebuttal from the israelis but i didn't get it i don't know did you have a chance to catch any of that well you know the consensus appears to be that they failed to deal with the line by line accusations with the evidence that was presented and instead sort of relied on a general defense of israeli policy including saying things like we you know we have our own disciplinary system within the army Therefore, if soldiers, individual soldiers have transgressed, we will discipline them. I mean, that's been an age-old excuse for, for um, atrocities, you know, in the West Bank and Gaza going back decades, you know. We know that nothing mm -hmm. happens. I mean, there have been some really abysmal cases of, uh, you know, murdering soldiers being let off with scarcely a rap on the knuckles. I mean, the point is they celebrate... They celebrate the massacre of the Palestinians openly across Israeli civil society. And I have been doing so solidly for the last three months, you know, so. And for years, in fact, there's a term that the Israelis have used uh, in the past, Basil. I remember Operation Cast Lead, um, Protective Edge in uh, 2014. The term that the Israelis were using in the media was mowing the lawn. They called the That's airstrikes... Right mowing the lawn so they have to mow the lawn they're talking about the palace the palestinian population in gaza is like grass and it's their job as israelis to mow the lawn those are public terms that have been used uh in previous years i mean that's also part of the of the of the lexicon those are also incriminating uh statements when you hear these types of things i mean you don't hear this sort of crass callous language coming out of any other even some of the most brutal regimes regarded as such in the world they don't even talk like this so it's, right. it's almost like such a wide berth is given uh to to israel on these matters and i think that that's a situation that really needs to be corrected because it's completely out of balance go ahead basil final thoughts before we break well the, uh, good point the, the whole discourse around israel palestine has been out of balance for the last and that has now been brought to the public's attention and October the 7th not happened. There's been an enormous education process gone on amongst wider publics, particularly in the United States, United Kingdom and Western Europe, and there's no going back. 
to the way it was before. Support for Palestine has been galvanized uh, in a way that, uh, you know, six months ago you wouldn't have thought was possible. Uh, the the other point to make, of course, is just to quickly touch upon the disgraceful episode uh, overnight and possibly ongoing of the bombing of Yemen by the United States and United Kingdom with various other sinister cohorts. Um, you know, it's been widely pointed out that, you know, 30,000, you know, unacceptable is the term David Cameron used, the British Foreign Secretary, that the Houthis interfering with shipping in the Red Sea in their own territorial waters is apparently unacceptable. But the massacre of 30,000 children is acceptable and is continuing. So, you know, people have said, you know, shipping lanes are more important to uh, NATO and the Zionist controlled West than, you know, 30, the lives of 30,000 civilians and uh, all these countless thousands of children. Yeah, not to mention the uh, the the, the two hundred thousand uh, dying of uh, starvation, dysentery, uh, cholera in Yemen uh, because of the brutal siege that was imposed by the United States, its allies, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE uh, over the past uh, five or six years uh, against Yemen. That's a part. That little footnote seems to not be available That's in right. anybody's contextual analysis on this issue. Are you surprised at the Yemenis' reaction uh, and their steadfastness? I'm not. I'm absolutely not. Uh, I see this coming a mile away, and I think they've got. They might have bitten off more than they can chew uh, in in that part of the world. We'll see how that. Uh, we'll see how that fleshes out uh, in the coming days and weeks. Basil, certainly, it's going to be very interesting to see how that develops. I think it's going to be a liability for them. But uh, we'll see. Well, Blinken's whole, but just very quickly, Blinken's whole tour of the Middle East, that utter farce, uh, was supposedly about uh, preventing the escalation into a wider war. And so what happens next? The United States escalates. They didn't need to. They could have gone to the Yemenis and said, uh, you know, how can we work this out or something? Or, or, you know, heaven forbid, they could have even put pressure on the Israelis to stop the genocide. Instead, no military escalation, let's bomb some more targets, you know, in which there are bound to be civilian, civilian casualties. So, you know, Blinken, you know, speak with forked tongue, as the Native Americans used to say. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, uh, everyone is asking for a ceasefire. Everybody's saying, can we de-escalate? The Yemenis are saying de-escalate. The Yemenis are calling for a ceasefire. And so what's the solution? Let's start another war. How about that? That's Washington That's and London's reaction there. Uh, so they definitely need some positive press. They need to get that national chauvinist mojo going in the tabloids in Britain. You know what it's like? That's right. Every reference to the Houthis is the Iran-backed Houthis, you know, and, yeah. and that makes them sound, uh, you know, dangerous and malevolent and all the rest of it. Why don't we have the U.S.-backed Zionists, you know? We don't, yeah. we don't see yeah. that in the press. You know what I mean? Iranian-linked, Iranian-backed, That's right. et cetera. That's yeah, right. it's endless. Yeah absolutely endless so yeah that's an important point that you brought up uh that's that's diplomacy foreign policy 101 western style hey hey when all else fails let's not de-escalate let's just start another war that'll that's work right. i'm sure that'll work uh, i don't think it's going to work for them i think it's going to be a, a hugely embarrassing and uh, well, the, we'll the, see what happens of course if the verdict comes out of the hague that israel is committing genocide as many people believe it should and will 
that changes the whole game. It really does. Because although the Israelis may choose to carry on because there's nothing the ICJ can do technically to enforce it, in terms of the whole narrative, the dialogue, the framing of the whole thing, and the US and UK and European Union positions, it changes everything. Because, you know, then suddenly von der Leyen, Sunak, Starmer, Blinken, Biden, if he's still alive, Uncle Tom Cobbley and all are complicit in genocide. That's right. That's right. This Well, it's going to take a long time for the legal wheels to grind on this, but at least I think already um, the fact that this process has begun, it's already spoke volumes to, to everybody. I think a lot of the world now know what the score is, uh, even before any official verdict is uh, ultimately rendered on this. I think Israel is permanently in the dock of public opinion. Globally. Oh, yeah. So yes. that's, the, that's the reality yeah. of it. Basil Valentine, thank you for joining us this week on TNT Today's you, News Talk. Much appreciated. There he goes, ladies and gentlemen. Our intrepid correspondent, Mr. Basil Valentine. Look, let's take a break right now with the network, and when we come back, we'll connect with Matthew Russell Lee, our legal correspondent there in New York City. There's a lot going on. Matthew's going to bring us inside on all these top stories. All this and more coming up in just a moment, so stay there. From weather and traffic reports to news of political developments, we turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world provide the news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. So many journalists are paying with their lives. They face exponential risks and they've already paid a heavy toll death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. We just want people to be safe, to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked in the street. These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Surtout que je m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom. said, could she die? And the doctor said she could. It was so scary. When I started clawing at my neck and trying to breathe and I thought, you know, what are we going to do if I die here? <laughs> How's everyone going to go on? When someone's gravely sick or injured in the bush, they rely on the Royal Flying Doctor service. But now the Flying Doctor needs your help to fund vital medical equipment and supplies. Please search Flying Doctor online to give a regular gift of just $10. You can help equip the Flying Doctor's teams to respond to any emergency anywhere. Search Flying Doctor online. Become a part of the Royal Flying Doctor service. 
and help save lives in the bush. Political commentator and investigative journalist, you're with Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back. We're in the final segment of the final hour of this live broadcast. I want to go live to New York with Matthew Russell Lee from Inner City Press. There's a lot going on right now. Very, very busy docket going on legally in the U.S. We've got a couple of major scandals, some major stories. I'm sure Jeffrey Epstein will creep into the narrative at some point, as he normally does still. Uh, Matthew, great to have you with us. How are things? Sure, on your glad end? to be here. Uh, pretty good actually there's there is a there's a a whole bunch of things going on but several of them have been taking place right here within about 100 yards from the fire stairs from which i'm speaking to you the um uh uh trump came to his closing arguments in the in the letitia james new york state attorney general's fraud case against him and not only did he come despite uh, or contrary to many much of the reporting that he wouldn't speak that he was being disallowed to speak the judge did try to stop him from speaking because the judge put forward a series of conditions of things he couldn't say if he chose to spoke to speak in the closing and he declined to sign them because and then I was over there I'm glad I got over there because at, at around 12 55 with a with a hard stop at one o'clock his lawyer Chris Kai said your honor can 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 Mr. Trump please address the court in closing and he said he said well let me ask him a few questions and he asked him could he not, you know, go beyond the facts of the case and get into politics? And Trump, as sort of in the in the in the spirit of answering the question, just delivered his five minute speech, which is that, you know, he said, you know, these were great deals. Bank Deutsche Bank never complained. This is a witch hunt. He got it. He made all of his, all of the points that he needed to make. And then the, the judge said, like, well, if this had been better organized, he could have spoken for longer. But I think he got I think everybody got what they wanted, which is to say. And this is I actually want to say this as some. So I was over there. In in state court, you can bring your laptop right in. I was live tweeting the the the, the whole thing, and that what I always find interesting is that people hear what they want to hear. For example, like I have followers that are definitely like I guess Trump supporters, many that are not Trump supporters, and both of them loved it. They were like, "This is it!" Like the Trump supporters <laughs> are like, "Wow, he's really giving it," and the other ones are like, "Wow, he's really showing himself to be like a totally like doesn't care about the rule of law." Same thing with Judge with Judge Engeron. When Judge Engeron says things like, no, it's a, I know you're guilty, or whatever he says, the, the, the Trump haters are like, this judge is great, Engeron for president. The Trump haters are like, you see, you've revealed it. The Trump is, the, the judge is totally prejudiced. So it's just a Rorschach test. It really, it shows you just sort of how far apart people are. But the one thing, I mean, somebody said to me, well, there's one good thing in that, which is that like, it, there's no dispute as to the facts. Like everyone's here. Everyone hears the same thing. They just hear something. They just, it just, they're, they're, they're preconditioned to, to receive the information in totally different ways. And both of them are happy. That's the crazy thing. It turns out to be a kind of like auto de fe of bullfight. Like everyone's going mm. crazy. Like, wow. <laughs> you know, whether you're rating for the bull or the bullfighter and whichever you, whoever you think Trump is in this scenario, <laughs> it's, it's a, so you got treated, Sunday, you got treated. So you got Go treated to a, a, a five-minute uh, Trumpian monologue where he's saying these are great deals. Nobody's done deals like this. I did the best. We did huge deals. They're great deals. Yeah, was yeah. It one the, of those. I mean, talking about the golf course. Talking about yeah, absolutely. But he definitely was. And then also his lawyer Alina Haba. Who this may be a bit in the weeds for for you, but she's one of his higher-profile lawyers. Everyone's there's a lot of talk about like did he choose her because of how she looks. 
or or how she argues. And I'm not saying this to be a sexist. She herself was once interviewed and said, would you rather be smart or pretty? And she said, pretty, because smart you can fake. Of course, the Trump haters say, no, you can't. <laughs> You're not faking it very well. But she went and actually people think she's like, you know, kind of like a. a, a I, I forgot what that my cousin Vinny lawyer. She's not. She's OK. She was really she was, you know, she's just a kind of Jersey down in the down in the mud. But I have a respect for that because I, I've seen only today, only this morning, only this morning before coming to this very fire, fire stairs. I, I saw a, a, a very sweetheart deal for a Morgan Stanley banker. And these are like highly some of the highest paid lawyers in the country. You're talking about two thousand dollars an hour, former prosecutors. And and are they really like both in terms of talent, even morality, better than Alina Habba? I don't think so. So I, I take it it's just different styles. You know, it's like it's like Pete Rose versus Joe DiMaggio. If you follow baseball or I'm sure there's another analogy, sort of like a real kind of like gutsy guy you know, that may or may not bet on baseball versus a kind of patrician, distant approach. And I, I, even as jurors, I think people end up some of the best trial lawyers in the country are these are are people like Alina Haba and not necessarily the 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 elites that cut the uh, non-prosecution deals for the Morgan Stanley defendants. But that's it. Now, in, in other news, I'm going to I'm going to toot my horn loudly in fire stairs. Robert Menendez, you've heard of him, the senator from New Jersey, the great state of New Jersey, the man caught in photographs with gold bars and, and gold bars in his sweatshirt and, and all kinds of things. His case was expanded from Egypt to Qatar. Things are looking bad for 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 Bob Menendez. This week, Bob Menendez filed his motion to dismiss all charges, saying basically that as a senator, he can say and do whatever he wants under the speech and debate clause and saying, I don't know, because it was all redacted because he said he I, I've actually I'm glad we're doing it this way. I can I can read to you. He says things like they ignore the exculpatory information that redacted five five lines so this week i filed with judge stein who's handling the case just sent him a very gentle letter saying seek to intervene and unseal everything now he's docketed it and i think we're going to get some of that information and what's interesting to me is that there's a lot of interest in that case there's a lot particularly i mean i think i've noticed that people some people use this case to show they're not just anti-trump you see they're also anti anti menendez and they try to show because some Democrats have turned against Menendez, that there's a difference between the Democratic and the Republican Party. They try to say Democrats don't rally around their guy, but Republicans do. And me, I, I don't know. I'm just saying to you, that's one of the, the issues here. So there's a lot of interest in the Menendez case, but none of these vaunted media organizations tried to unseal. So inner city press, as with SBF, we were there first, and I think we're gonna be the ones to raise the flag on the moon of uh, Robert Menendez's many, many, uh, uh, whatever his whatever he says is exculpatory. I think the public has a right to know. You know, I have to ask you. What I have to ask bars? you, Matthew. I got to right. ask you. Besides, besides the gold bars, Matthew, there is a link between Bob Menendez scandal and Eric Adams, the great mayor of New York. I mean, this Turkish foreign influence. There's a direct. I think there's a potentially direct line between these cases, and uh, there's a lot more behind the scenes here going on. Is that the case for a potential I, well, yeah go ahead i have to be very cautious here because there was a there was a an off the record event this week that i'm not at liberty to discuss but right. the, the many <laughs> many people are having are, are have a question about when 
the same office, let's put it this way, the same office that, that's doing the Dob Menendez case is the one that sees the phones from Eric Adams. And everyone's very curious. I mean, I think that they're the people that really live and die on this or wake up every morning like, is this the day? That... But then again, Eric Adams actually, once again, I think the New York Times may have helped him out. This is a, a the New York Times did a story not about Eric Adams and the corruption of the Turkish mission or any or or his flip flopping on migrants or anything else. They did a story about Eric Adams' wardrobe, Eric Adams' expensive suits, his sense of style, and they drew a lot of negative reviews, not only from, from the African-American lead in the city, which, which harkens back to a, a famous run-in with David Dinkins, who wasn't a very effective mayor. David Dinkins, Jackie there's Mason. a blast from the past. And wow. this is a blast from the past, but this is here, here on the New York newsbeat. A lot of these guys are dinosaurs. they got a long memory. And they remember a certain comedian called Jackie Mason. I believe may oh, rest yeah. in peace. I don't know. Oh, what Jackie of, of, Amazing. Of, I love Jackie October Mason. 7th. Jackie I love Mason. Jackie okay, Mason. I don't, think, I don't know if you'd love him after he, he, he talked from beyond the grave about October 7th and the aftermath. But Jackie Mason famously, and I, and I want to preface this, this is not my line, called um, David Dinkins a fancy Schwarza, if you know, or if you know, which was kind of a racial epithet. So people are saying that... The, Plus Achons, that the New York Times has once again gone into its toolbox of, despite its many protestations about being progressive, et cetera, et cetera, that by digging into the fashion styles in a kind of critical way, kind of implying, like, who's this uppity, oh, uh oh, don't say it. Uh, so I think Eric Adams <laughs> now becomes com somewhat bulletproof for this. The, the, just as gold, gold bars were found in Bob, Bob Menendez's closet, I think the New York Times is... Uh, um, sort of dalliance in Eric Adams' closet actually provides provides him makes him golden and bulletproof at least for the for the near future. You know, because no one wants to pile on, no one wants to pile on the uh, the the target of the Times uh, fashion coverage. So it is what it is. You know, but the 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 let's go let's go national. I know that this week you've 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 pinged me a few times about Nikki Haley, and I can speak at great length about it. But I think. Since this is maybe our last time to mention him ever, Chris Christie. What Ooh. can you tell me? He's out. Krispy Kreme. He's, he's out. <laughs> he's out. He, he after all of that bluster, he didn't even get to the first primary. I think that's. I I, I I favor those countries that say like you can only campaign for sixty days or something because after all this run up, it's like I mean I was going to say where's the beef, but to make another cheap joke, I think we know where the where the, where the missing beef has been has been eaten by someone, but. The 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 he dropped out. So on the eve Monday, Martin Luther King's Day, and I don't know about the 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 the, the I don't know about the sensitivity about of of, of scheduling a, a caucuses on on a, on a federal holiday for Martin Luther King. But on Martin Luther King Day in Iowa, they're going to be coming up with a result, whether it will be Trump mm. with Nikki Haley's close behind or Trump in a blowout win. Nobody, DeSantis is pretty much assured to be way back. And I don't even know if Vivek is going to be. We talked about him a lot. I was something of a fan, but he's off the screen. Many people don't like him, and it seems like he's working. He's bad. working the caucuses hard, though. He's 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 doing the town halls in Iowa and stuff. So I think he's going to that that stuff pays off uh, in Iowa. I mean, Pete Buttigieg did very well, if you remember, sure. in 2020. He surprised a lot of people. Joe Biden was like in the dust in Iowa. So yeah, Iowa's a funny one, uh, Matthew. There's some funny things. I that, think as they, an Indiana they, as yeah. a as an Indiana mayor, Pete, Pete, Mayor Pete, as they call him, he's got, they call him a lot of other things too, but Mayor Pete, you know, he had a kind of a, he had a kind of a Midwest inroad there. I mean, 
He actually, yeah, there's some cheating Bronco. going on. Actually, yeah. he got caught in a cheat a cheating scandal with the the vote counting app uh, at yeah. um, in Iowa. Yeah, mayor cheat, mayor cheat. Some people called him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was there's a, there's so many there's so many things to say about Pete, old Pete Budovich. But the, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I think they've already started greasing the skids for Vivek himself. I think Trump was asked like, "Will Will Vivek endorse you when he drops out?" And he said, "Well, he's." He's a fine man. He's running great, but I'm sure when the time comes, come to Papa. And I think he will come to Papa. Whether he whether in a second Trump term, if it were to occur, he could be the Secretary of State. I mean, nobody knows. There's all these names are floating. And that's the thing. Be careful what you wish for. I'm not saying what you're wishing for, Patrick, but I, I think you do take a certain perverse pleasure in the in the rise of the orange man. Am I right? Let me let me, let me put the ball to you. Do, well, do, do you see I, this I, as a sign of the times? It's 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 bad medicine for America, but some, some sometimes the 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 treatment's not doesn't go down well, but it's what's needed. Um, I, I do think there's a sort of exorcism that will happen that goes uh, concomitant with the rise of the orange man once again. So uh, it's, I uh, with, but can you have a yeah. second exorcism? Can you? That's the problem here. It's one thing to have a first exorcism, but the sequel is never. Can the sequel live up to the to the to to, you know, to the original, I don't know. Exorcism let, too. Uh, yeah, let's just call it a purging or an auto uh, an autoimmune reaction of the swamp of the American establishment uh, of the chemo that's Trump, basically. So let's tr let's get more serious for a moment. What do you make? And I'm and now I'm going to turn the tables on you since I'm 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 the one off camera. I can I can I can observe you. You're, I'm going to try to assess your credibility here. The the. What do you think the the world shipping community should have done about the Houthis' bad behavior in the Red Sea? What's your view? Um, I think they uh, the world shipping community. There wasn't a real problem with the world shipping community, in my opinion, because if you listen to the Yemenis, they're only after a certain type of ship, and that was either Israeli owned, could be flagged by another country, Israeli owned, or content it was contents heading for or from the state of Israel. Effectively, they're imposing sanctions like the United States and Britain have done by interdicting Iranian tankers on the high seas, stealing oil. In fact, Iran just stole back one of their stolen tankers this week, and they're going nuts in Washington over it. I mean, uh, so I've got a very different view on this, Matthew, than some. Oh, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is. I'm not sure. I, 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 it's a great soundbite there, by the way. But but I don't know about the Houthis' due diligence. So all I'm saying is that, as it turned out, basically, and again, I'm not I'm not a shipping magnate. You may you may not know that about me, but I'm going to let you know. It doesn't. I'm not. I don't. I don't lose any sleep over Maersk and all of the the all. all although I did yesterday, actually, a second second horn tooting from this very staircase. That's why you need to you need to accept me as I am because I was on, I, I I was in the IMF press conference, the, the, the bi-weekly, or now it's less frequent. And I, I managed to, I got a question. I turned on my camera and I asked about the, the Yemen and they showed on their screen something called Port Watch. The IMF is very concerned about the effect. I think the IMF is, if, if there is an IMF beyond the member states, is thinks it's a good thing that the Houthis got their wrists slapped. This is why I was going to say this, and I'm saying this because this afternoon in the United Nations, there will be a session requested by Russia uh, on the U.S. airstrikes, the U.S. and Canadian, whatever, Canadian, Netherlands. The France was not part of it. And France is part no. of the, is the president of the Security Council this month. They didn't join in for some reason. I don't know what's wrong with those, those, uh, what is this, that, uh, 
fromage. We need freedom fries, not French fries anymore. Those guys are going no, soft for, on the Houthis. Smart move by France. Smart move, actually, not to get involved. I think so. They're, they, I, they're, they're really incredible because I've heard they're actually very, I guess it's their whole uh, secular society thing, but they're pretty tough on 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 religious freedom. It's weird, right? I mean, it seems like here in the United States, for all of its problems, if you want to wear a hijab, if you want to be a Sikh with your with your your beard a certain way, you're you're gonna you can drive a subway train. Like there, there's some great court decisions about the right to practice your religion, regardless. Whereas it seems like in France, I get you know it's a different approach. Their approach is they think everyone will love each other if you if you take away all of the symbols that make that bring people apart. I don't really know if that's that's it, it, it's a, it's because it's a it, it's also a very debased culture as well. And you know that's like French uh, liberté uh, gone uh, to its extreme. They'd be they probably if, if you ask French men, they won't be happy till the women are running around naked in the streets. That's the fact of the matter. So, I mean, that's just France. I mean, it's right. just bizarre. I, how can you enforce dress So let's turn to it. Codes? Here's a person that you didn't, you didn't think we'd ever bring up on these airways. Gérard Depardieu. Have you heard about yeah, this thing he that he's emigrated in? to Russia? Yeah, he's he was, yeah, yeah. And he's getting he's his a, statues taken down. He's kind, he's almost like a kind of a, a libertine Robert E. Lee. He's it's all kinds all. But Macron doubled down and said he supports him. But everybody, but the he's, there's a it's one of these. It's like Roman Polanski, another blast from the past. David Dinkins, Roman Polanski, Gerard Depardieu. Let's line let's line them up. These are the these are the guys from the past that that he got a, a some there was a letter from french artists saying if an attack on gerard depardieu who i don't know if you know what the problem is, i don't even want to say it on your airwaves but it's pretty nasty he got caught on a hot mic in north korea you never want you never want to get caught on a hot mic in north korea just ask dennis rodman you know for june but he got caught on, he got caught saying really nasty things about a very underage girl and i think it's resulted Ooh. in it's bad. You check it out. Just I'm gonna. I don't want to say Google it, but so know, wait. You wait, wait are you miles. serious? So so he I'm was serious. on a hot mic. He was on a hot mic in North Korea, yeah. saying very bad <laughs> things about an up. underage girl. Not you, sure. He was this? saying he. It was his view of why women like to ride horses. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there. And, and he didn't seem to distinguish between women and extremely young girls. Maybe he was drunk. I don't know if you've ever. He's seen an old Frenchman. Dennis Rodman. North Korea seems to op op seems to operate as a kind of truth serum, right? Dennis Rodman went there and totally melted down, and and his own NBA guys, sort of hangers on, had to sort of put him back together to meet to meet uh, Kim Jong Un, and the same thing happened to Jared Depardieu. So listen, listen, yeah. don't dis don't dis Dennis, man, my my boy Dennis Rodman, he was Trump's secret diplomatic weapon. That was the WMD of diplomacy. He deployed Rod A Rod. Or D Rod over to North Korea. He <laughs> got Rodman's him. He set up. Uh, Rodman was the emissary to set up the meeting with Trump. That, that's how it. I that's know, how it I happened. Know. I mean, and who yes. knew? Dennis Rodman. Right? Amazing. I know. I know. It's, 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 it's it was incredible. But I'm just saying the actual trip sort of degenerated into like 24 hour day drinking and and, and and sort of ranting at the at the i think the north koreans actually beat his squad maybe that was on purpose maybe that was a throne game anyway, no that, that was a that, that was a washed up bunch of uh retired nba guys who were great in their prime but not yeah. anymore but uh but it yeah. was it was good it was a goodwill uh match and uh it was, uh, it was nice ballsy. to see it was a I ballsy mean, move. they didn't yeah. unlike unlike a, a certain crypto um uh adherent virgil griffith who went there to give 
totally sober talk about evading sanctions with the use of cryptocurrency and now finds himself in federal jail still um those basketball players didn't so it, it is what it is let's let's turn away from that dirty morass to a to a to an extremely respected and venerated presidential son hunter biden we have to get back to the hunter beat and this week he's changed his strategy hunter's not playing he's not playing defense anymore he's playing offense they they wanted him to come in and testify in a closed session admitted um to the house oversight committee um looking into his various behaviors and what money he may or may not have passed on to the big guy etc and he's he said he only wants to keep it in public which if you don't look it sounds okay um of course bannon and other navarro peter navarro these guys got screwed for 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 contempt of congress so i i don't know what's going to happen with hunter biden but he's not sitting by waiting this week he went there while they were talking about it and he sat in the front row basically basically challenging them what are you going to do so what they're going to do now is try to hold them in contempt whether they can get the justice department to do what they did to bannon and and navarro which is to prosecute them federally i don't think so but watch out as 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 the orange man has said they for dictator from day one the justice department would would be you know if it's if it's already been weaponized i mean he even said this he said he said in yesterday's thing in the, in the state you have to look at the precedent here if you're going to allow you know people to be prosecuted on the whim of a political prosecutor be careful what you wish for because yeah exorcism too playing soon in a theater near you yeah what's good for the goose what's good for the goose yeah. and there's a lot of that going around uh in washington that once those powers are uh realized they rarely go back into the genie bottle matthew they stay mm -hmm. out and they're being used by all parties in power that's the problem principles before politics that's the only thing that's going to solve this problem matthew in america uh unfortunately some people are having they're really struggling with that concept uh and so yeah we need to get back to basics there principles back before politics speaking of basics i i i feel i feel an, an absolute duty to to carve out a little time for crypto your your crypto business section you, first you of got, all there's you got real, 30 seconds left 30 seconds uh, left okay Make it that's quick. all that's all crypto needs crypto can do more in 30 seconds than than the federal reserve <laughs> can do in a year okay crypto is legal no crypto the set the sec has approved this week the inclusion of bitcoin in exchange traded funds this is a major development ETFs, that many have yep. missed but your show has it. And Doquan, yep. the South Korean mastermind of, Ter of Terraform, has asked for a delay in his SDNY trial so he can be extradited from Montenegro and defend himself in court. Watch this space. Doquan coming to these very fire stairs. No, he'll be in a separate uh, imprisonment, but he'll be nearby. As he extradited from Montenegro. There you are. Yeah. That doesn't happen There's every another. day. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. So I don't know. Wow. You tell. I'm. I, I'm here. I am, and here I'll remain. However you want me, I'm in the fire stairs. At the Southern District of New York Federal Court, New York City, the Big Apple, Matthew Russell Lee, Inner City Press. Follow his work, uh, not just on X Twitter, but follow his Substack as well, and you'll get sort of the blow-by-blow -blow accounts, the live tweeting, Dude, all of these things. Exclusive material. Exclusive I'm jealous material. you got to see all that Trump you got to see that Trump trial Matthew I'm absolutely jealous that was just really must have been good. a classic moment must have been I a classic glad. moment thank thank you Matt Lee appreciate it okay. thank you to Definitely. Basil Anytime. Valentine as well
Big thank you as well to author and political commentator from Johannesburg, South Africa, Kim Heller, in our number one program. A great information. Appreciate you guys coming along for the ride, not just today, but this week. All the best. Have a great weekend, Patrick Henningsen. Hanging out. Take